0: And now we are live. Very good morning, everyone. Uh, Welcome to this uh, webinar uh, at which we managed to cover pretty important speakers. I'm very uh, honored to have online uh, Everard Bordier and Andy Lian. Uh, My name is Anatoly Karchilov. I am CEO and co-founder of Nickel Digital. Uh, But perhaps uh, uh, I'm going to pass to Everard and Andy to present themselves to introduce themselves. And we have Andrew. Very good morning, Andrew.
1: Good good morning, everybody. And thank you very much for uh, attending the uh, attending the webinar, everybody.
0: Sure. We just uh, started an yes, introduction uh, before we move into the questions. Uh, Everard, would you like to take over?
2: So, yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Everard Baudier. I am the CEO of Baudier Singapore. Uh, we are a merchant bank in Singapore and uh, we am also a partner of Bordier in the wrong. group. And we are, oops, you don't hear me? I think everybody. so hear you very uh, well. Okay. So, as I said, I'm also a partner of Bordier uh, Group uh, uh, and the headquarters of the bank is in Switzerland. Uh, and we have offices, uh, we have three banks and two asset management offices in the UK, France uh caribbeans geneva and, and singapore and uh we've just basically dedicated ourselves to private banking and private high network clients uh and we've just entered the digital space mm-hmm.
0: congratulations with that this is advanced thinking <laughs> <I'm glad laughs> you guys joining the, the, the space andy over to
2: you
3: hi everyone uh, i'm uh, andy lian right now i'm in singapore uh, i'm the advisory board member of uh, hyundai hyundai dac um, I am uh, also giving advice to uh, different governments in terms of their um, blockchain innovation, uh, crypto assets, and I'm also behind some of the uh, crypto bill uh, that that is right now in the space. Many people know me as an early adopter in terms of uh, blockchain. Um, started a blockchain company, uh, known as an investor, and also wrote a book uh, titled uh, "This Blockchain Revolution 2030." Good to see everyone.
4: Yes,
0: thank you, Anit. Um,
4: so,
0: um, yeah, uh, my name is Anatoly Kachilov. I'm a uh, co founder CEO of Nico Digital. Uh, we are a London based uh, uh, investment manager focused on digital assets exclusively. Uh, my past story I've been in London for 20 years, uh worked seven years with uh, JP Morgan and Goldman's, and f- two years ago, I uh, left uh, Big Finance uh to build an asset management specifically dedicated to crypto uh we are running a range of uh investment solutions starting from market mutual funds to directional exposure to crypto uh yeah and certainly kind of 2020 became this critical pivotal year in uh, digital finance hence uh the this conversation uh andrew over to you uh to take over
1: Thank you very much, Anatoly. Can I just check, confirm that everybody uh, can hear me? Because I did have a slight problem hearing uh, some of the other questions just then. Um, uh, can you hear me? Okay, well. we hear you very well. hear me we, we. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Well, uh, thanks again for joining. Uh, I think that what we'd like to start off with, I think we said originally, was that the, the 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 big question. Really, is is you know what what is Bitcoin? You know what actually is this thing that we all hear about we read about um you know we have a vague idea in some cases what it's about but maybe you could have a brief explanation of what it actually is
2: mm-hmm. everard no like- you do it i totally use you. you're an expert in that you uh, are the best person to answer that question
0: well uh the way uh we view uh digital assets here is really uh if you look on 2020 it became a pivotal year for, the, for uh, crypto assets specifically because we had a massive uh, response by the central banks uh, to unfolding uh, crisis uh, triggered by COVID. And that essentially triggered mass uh, kind of flooding market with money. And people such as Paul Tudor Jones uh, back in May 2020 raised this important question, how do we protect wealth against uh, potential currency debasement and uh, inflationary pressure, uh, because certainly kind of this flow of money will have an impact on the value of money, right? And uh, the way we've seen this is a, really uh, a hedge against inflation and a currency debasement. And uh, if you look on the what happened in 2020, uh, the amount of injection, or kind of put it this way, the amount of um, economic stimulus uh, which uh, government had to go through uh, was enormous as compared to the previous crises. So McKinsey has released this uh, report in mid 2020 uh, showing that if in, 2028, is in, in uh, 2008, uh, Germany, for example, uh, had put together economic stimulus worth 3% of GDP, In 2020, it was 33% of GDP. And certainly, that created this uh, pressure on the monetary side. This slide which you have on your screen is perhaps the most most telling to me, right? M2 money stock in the US went up 28% in a space of 12 months, which means roughly 20 plus percent of every single dollar in circulation has been created over the last 12 months. And that's what triggered uh, such a kind of significant demand for the hedge. And uh, if you look on how significant is this 28%, right? If you look on the history, uh, the only time when uh, economic stimulus was of that dimension was in 1943. The US was going through the uh, Second World War economic stimulus And uh, M2 at the time was 27% in 1943. The question, to what extent it triggered inflation in the economy? And the answer is, well, in the immediate proximity in 1944, it was still 2%. In 1945, it was still 2%. In 1946, inflation went through the roof. Uh, to 18%. And indeed, it was poor a recovery of consumer demand, which triggered this kind of, in addition to the liquidity already in the economy, caused this inflation. And from here, we are uh, drawing parallel to the present times and the question which is on the table, whether inflation may come and how can we protect that from, from that. And coming back to crypto, this is one of those, as I called, synthetic non-discretionary asset synthetic because it was invented 12 years ago non-discretionary because no government no single entity no single individual can adjust or inflate the number of units in the economy the number of units i in this particular case bitcoin bitcoin is strictly limited and from that perspective we're looking at these assets as a store of value and in anti-inflationary hedge. I can go uh, further on, but I would like to pass to Everard to you and Andy, uh, before we go further. Andy?
1: Andy, you there.
0: Uh, Andy, your uh, microphone. Uh, We don't hear you, unfortunately. uh no we do not Everard, would you like to take over about- yeah, so
2: so so uh uh whilst bitcoin is 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 one very well well known currency obviously ether uh is the second big one so these are is uh, a bit different in the sense that it's also open source and blockchain based uh, and it's uh, uh, really used by by others to create their own uh, digital uh, tokens. And obviously, um, uh, it's a decentralized software platform used for its own cryptocurrency, Ether. And uh, and the great thing is also it enables small contracts and, and, and distributed application to be built and run without any downtime, any fraud, any control or interference from from third parties. So these two uh, are really uh, today making. What eighty-five percent of the market, and I think they really are the ones that uh, people are, are interested into today. Um, and uh, and I think these, uh, uh, so so I think these are the the ones which uh, from a, from a cryptocurrency are really interesting. Uh, and then more, more generally, the blockchain and uh, uh, and and what is the future uh, of of a decentralized structure? And and I, I do believe that. Uh, uh, to answer uh, maybe the, the, the headline uh, um, wealth managers uh, uh, should gradually embrace uh, digital assets because it's here to stay. As you, uh, as Anatoly clearly mentioned, you know, there's this, this flood of trillions of dollars uh, uh, that will weaken over time the price uh, of, of most currencies which will gradually depreciate. Uh, and and people realize that uh, taking at uh, least a decent position, uh, even a small one into, uh, These new asset classes uh, uh, will give them a bit like gold and other some kind of hedge against uh, that, and um, and so I think that in the future more and more uh, people uh, will uh, be used to have some kind of uh, small portion of their wealth uh, based in 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 crypto assets. Andy,
3: can you still hear me now? Then
2: yes, yes. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Sorry. Yes. So, so I, I think um, uh, both both presenters uh, are very spotted on the the, the set cap uh, made made Bitcoin a more reliable uh, than a, a lot of other scarce asset. Uh, it will eventually function as a store of value, in in my opinion, and also as a means of a payment. Uh, even even though that that might not be the case today. But at, at, at this current point, I, I do see the value is, is growing. Um, the inherent def- the deflatory nature of uh, Bitcoin uh, leads to uh, a lot of uh, hoarding, uh, speculation and hence driving a certain price. Uh, uh, volatility. Can you hear me? Sorry, I, I got very yep. bad feedback yep. from my here. So anyway, but, but once, uh, feedback, uh, once this uh, Bitcoin has uh, finished uh, accumulating the value uh, when it becomes uh, a large and liquid enough asset, it will be much stabler than it is today and And this trend is already very obvious. So holding small amount of uh, uh, bitcoin or digital asset would would, would prove to uh, be to, would prove to be a, a lot a, a lot more favorable than,
0: than what we see today. Mm-hmm. Actually, if I can add to that, Uh, I would uh, look at Bitcoin specifically, not necessarily as a cryptocurrency, although that's what's generally known, but rather a crypto asset. The reason being that uh, there's a very strong feedback. uh, Sorry. So the reason. If we all just
1: mute in between speaking, that Mm -hmm. will help.
0: Mm hmm. Yep. So the reason being that when you uh, name something a currency, Uh, There is a natural expectation this to be a very efficient mean of exchange. And actually, I can tell you, Bitcoin is not very efficient mean of exchange, right? Being able to process whatever three to seven transactions per second uh, cannot compete with even an old technology such as uh, Visa International, which can process 56,000 transactions per second. But how do we have to view Bitcoin is really as an asset and some kind of reserve asset which A, preserve value over time, and B, as Andy mentioned, has a deflationary nature rather than inflationary nature. And from that perspective, when you look from that angle, it really serves, uh, has the attributes of gold. Because the reason gold is worth anything is really scarcity. Because if you were to find a new gold mine, and unintentionally, if you were to disclose to the world that we now have a mine with five times more gold than it used to be yesterday. We all know what is going to happen to the price. Price is going to collapse for the simple reason we've lost scarcity overnight. Now, coming back to Bitcoin, it has this inbuilt scarcity on the protocol level and that scarcity, which actually defines its price. Uh, And uh, from that perspective, as an asset, it's better to be looked from that angle rather than currency per se. It may over time actually become mean of exchange as well, uh, because uh, with the layer two lightning and other construct on top of Bitcoin, it may actually uh, reach hundreds of thousands of transactions per second. But that's gonna be in the future. For the time being, it serves one function, store of value in my mind. And Anatoly, and you- so you you we clearly... can uh,
2: just, uh, sorry. No, I think, I think, I think Anatoly, you, you, you had a chart that was very interesting about the scarcity of Bitcoin and showing how, uh, uh, how much has been already issued, uh, there you are, uh, 89% of Bitcoin being issued uh, and only uh, so little left, uh,
0: so the scarcity obviously will make it that there's value into it. You're absolutely right. So the remaining 11% will be issued over the next 120 years because the very last coin will come in circulation in the year 2140 by design. And between now and uh, all these 120 years ahead of, of, uh, of us, we can predict with extreme precision how many Bitcoins there will be in circulation. Uh, something we cannot do with the fiat currencies. For example, I can tell you exactly how many Bitcoins will be in May 2038 in relation, like, can you tell me how many dollars gonna be in circulation in May 2048? The answer is no, because there is one entity which controls the supply called Federal Reserve System. And there is no visibility how many dollars gonna be issued. The only thing we can say with certainty, there are gonna be much more dollars than there are today. With Bitcoin, you have this extreme predictability. And uh, another slide uh, shows how the system issues additional coins essentially you have a certain uh, uh, number of coins in in the current times is 6.25 which are issued every 10 minutes and then if you see this is like six cycle over on one hour you extrapolate over uh, 24 hours and one year and the total number of coins which are issued over a year in current in current times is roughly 1.7 percent of the coins in circulation. So this is your current inflation, which is inbuilt, 1.7%. But what we know that every four years, the number of coins issued by the system halves, i.e. it drops 50%. And at the outset in 2009, uh, the number of coins were 50 Bitcoins per block. Then it dropped to 25, four years later. Then it dropped into 12 and a half. And currently, as we're going through year 2021, it's 6.25. And we know in 2024, it's going to drop to 3. And that's what creates this logarithmic scale of of, uh, Bitcoin issuance, right? It goes into kind of flat line, horizontal, and then at some point ends. And that's what creates this very unique, very transparent, and a very predictable monetary policy.
1: Now... Mm -hmm. Thank you, Valentine. That's an excellent um, explanation and uh, some graphs are are very, very useful. Um, I'd like to, I know Everard has to unfortunately leave us at half past. I want to move on to really one of the questions, um, which is, you know, talking about the uh, wealth management sector. Now, uh, Bordier have recently uh, linked hub partnership with uh, Sydenham um, on 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 your project around uh, cryptocurrency um so um why do you think everard that you know the wealth management clients should consider digital assets as part of their uh, portfolio and and the second question on this is you know what challenges exist for private banks and wealth managers uh, in handling this business such around custody settlement and regulatory concerns?
2: Thank you, uh, uh, Andy. So yeah, we, we decided to enter uh, that space uh, exactly for the real reason that was uh, actually mentioned, is to say, look, there is uh, 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 an incredible amount of, 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 of uh, currency being issued around the world and uh, over time. And we need to find alternatives. People think about what they can do. Uh, and they look at the stock market and how good it's been, uh, been going the last year, and you thinking, oh my god, but will it continue? So uh, um, talking to, uh, to, to many people, uh, we, we decided, OK, it's been about 18 months in the making, decided to say, OK, let's, how can we give access to people in a simple manner to digital currency? Because a problem uh, that many people face is they have to open a coin with Coinbase or with someone. It's complicated. There's all these, uh, they have to keep their, their private keys. And, and we saw so how can we make it simple? Uh, for people to access this and, and more importantly for the, for the wealth management space, how do you uh, uh, allow relationship managers to get used to uh, trading in digital currencies. Um, and so we, we, we decided to partner up uh, because, uh, with in, in, that, in that case, Signum, but I think first because we believe in partnerships. We believe that uh, we cannot be the best in every area and especially in today's environment where uh, things become more and more specialized. And we think that specializing with uh, we're associating and partnering with, with trust companies, with uh, with lawyers, uh, and with the people in the crypto space make a lot of sense um, because it's really a world in its own, uh, and it would allow us to learn and to obviously build uh, or create or get a bigger, stronger partnership over time uh, 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 and decide what to do going forward. So we took Signum because they are uh, obviously an institution that has both offices in Singapore and they are. Uh, FEDMA licensed uh, in, in Switzerland as a bank, a digital bank. So there are only two digital banks. And, and that gave comfort from the risk level because uh, the first thing, obviously, that people think is, uh, who takes the liability? So in our case, we said, make it simple client will be very much aware that uh, he takes the liability. Uh, it's execution-only clients that will do it, and he takes full liability when when, when custodizing uh, his assets with Signal. Um, and and we started by saying, okay, what could we do? Uh, and and we said, let's start uh, because the because as you know, the uh, the Bitcoin uh, goes sixteen digits before the the comma. So it means that uh, our IT system couldn't handle that because any security doesn't have sixteen; they have five. <laughs> Five numbers. <laughs> so it had to, we had to adjust our system to allow uh, uh, the, 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 the ability to just put even the, the number of crypto that that person holds. So we said, OK, let's start with Bitcoin and Ether, because these two, Ether uh, uh, and Bitcoin Cash, uh, these three asset class are, 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 are the biggest ones. And also, um, uh, we have to get used to it. Uh, we have to use from our system. And we have to get used for the, the asset managers, and we have to get used from the client perspective to tell them, look, how much should I have hold in your in, in digital assets? Uh, I tend to say like five percent uh, should be something that that should be considered. Um, but already five percent may be quite large. So uh, so we first started, we made the agreement uh, with uh, them about, I would say, um, nine months ago. Then we started testing to see if it worked, uh, integrating our system, and so. We came live I would say at the end of the year um, in Switzerland and now we're working in Singapore because it, it uh, the, the, the problem of this crypto is obviously you can trade them anytime and uh, and it's difficult to say to someone who wants to trade Singapore times oh let's wait for uh, Europe to be open to pass your orders it's still you know you have to be able to to, to adjust and the funding to be done so we're still uh, getting that through uh, Little hoops uh, here. Obviously, MAS uh, is informed, and so we're trying to do things very much properly. Um, and uh, uh, so it's 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 a bit uh, more complex than it looks. But uh, but the aim is obviously to get you people used to this, and then when they are getting used to those basic uh, three uh, uh, cryptos, is then maybe going to go funds. Then we can do some some derivatives on it. Then people can start to enter and do much more. Uh, but at this stage, it's really. Uh, our first step into that world and making it simple, as I said, and making it uh, easy for people to view their their portfolio globally, both their securities and and, their, and obviously their, their their usual securities and their uh, cryptos together in one statement. Um, and over time, we'll see where it goes. But I think it's very very exciting, and we need to. I think it's it's just of it's it's very important that we get into that now. And now, the the price of of crypto, like the Bitcoin is this ridiculously, it's very volatile. So um, uh, it's, it's very interesting to see where it's going. So it came at the right time, but that we didn't know. Um, I think we have to stomach the volatility that's becoming a standard. And There you are. Uh, that is, uh, I think, a little bit of an explanation. Well, we've,
1: we've actually had a very good question. Th- thank you, everard uh, We have actually had a very good question, which has just come in, which is um, uh, from one of our, our, our guests listening in. Um, is the uh, your expectation that custodial function of coins private keys will be done by the wealth managers directly or outsourced to an external partner party?
2: It's a very, very good question. I, I don't know how how the uh, the, the um... Uh, the the custody uh, function will will take place. We re- we, we obviously uh, rely now on uh, an external uh, on an external party um, to do it, uh, and because they are they are licensed, uh, obviously uh, we need to have more time for the market to, to develop to the term where it is. I think um, probably external party. Uh, I would I would that would be my thing what do you think actually
0: well I have a very strong view to that end, uh, that it has to be a third party and the reason for that is uh as we know the whole blockchain structure is based on the immutable not immutable. it's immutable be it's one-way street if the asset is gone for whatever reason you can never recover it from that perspective we have to put security around how do we hold private key And we believe uh, if one person or one organization holds private key, that creates a single point of failure. If something goes wrong on the company level or even on the personal level, right, kind of employee who holds this key, uh, at stake is way too much, right, kind of millions of dollars which can disappear uh, in an unrecoverable manner. From that perspective,
2: you...
0: You have to uh, split the key between few organizations and then you have to organizational exactly, uh, when you have a uh, few parties involved, a private custodian, an independent custodian, an independent uh, fund administrator, and you as an investment manager or wealth manager. And then this, the key normally would be split in three parts, and then it has to be combined in order to sign a transaction. And that what creates a very resilient structure. So uh, there must be a third party custodian for the security reasons. And Jim would like to have a go on that. Sure.
3: Can you hear me? Hi. Yes. Sorry, I think it should be a third party as well. There will be a multi-signature uh, kind of uh, model, so to secure uh, the, your client's uh, digital asset. But on another note, um, we, we always uh, tend to say that you know, if you don't have your private keys, you know, all your Bitcoins are not yours. So, so, so on another interface of Dashboard, you could also look at the possibility of uh, you know, uh, letting your client see all the on-chain activities and uh, some, some, some other on-chain uh, transaction to let them feel safe about uh, some of the, the, the investment that they have made. Um, there are a lot of other ways to do this since we have uh, moved on in, into a more blockchain era, uh, and again, since we are on twenty-four-seven as well, you know, on-chain uh, custodian uh, and uh, on-chain uh, uh, dashboard and 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 several other functions should be present in the in the private management uh, 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 space to uh, to to give a customer more more power and more empowerment to their investments.
0: Yeah. To that end, I would say control your key is a mantra uh, generally accepted in uh, crypto space. It's good on the personal level, uh, perhaps on the family, on the level of possibly family office. But once you go into fiduciary asset management, of course, you have to uh, split this control over key over the several parties. And that slide actually depicts exactly my uh, earlier point. You take a private key, which is the 64 digit long alphanumerical code. You split it into three parts and then cryptographically distribute between three parties. That's the way to manage third party capital. Yeah,
1: well, we have a, another question just come in as well, which um, which is what are the short to medium term challenges facing professional advisors as governments seek to increase regulation?
2: so just before i leave that would be my last uh, uh, interaction is uh, uh to answer that question is that uh, we have incredible uh, legislation being drafted uh, uh surrounding the crypto uh, in particular i think uh, crs uh, will come in for for crypto and i think they're going to do a crs that is completely different than the crs that is currently done uh, FATCA also i think reported for the u.s will change uh, there's a uh, tax angles. Uh, uh, not only uh, uh, will the, the crypto will be taxed, but also at a different rate, different regime for different countries. So as the as the the asset class becomes norm, uh, more and more uh, regulations will come in to try to tighten things in. And I think that's where it's important that uh, uh, being regulated and playing by the book is the future, to my opinion. Uh, at the beginning, uh, everybody could start to do a lot of ICOs and deal you know, with, with crypto, but now it's going to come down to being much more regulated. And I believe really that uh, that is very, very important that, uh, that, um, uh, that people are aware of it. Uh, although it brings a lot of opportunities as well, because obviously once uh, there's more regulation, uh, institutional investors come in, people get more comfortable, and there's really a development of, of that. Um, so, so, so I think it's uh, it's both a curse and a, and, and an amazing opportunity uh, to have that. But uh, regulations will come thick and fast, uh, both in the EU, the US, uh, and regulators as well will start to ask for more. So I think that's my take. Um, I will leave it to Anatoly now, and I would like to uh, thank everyone for for, for for having joined this uh, this uh, uh, this panel, and uh, and I apologize. I have to leave now. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you you very much, everyone. I do appreciate you
2: taking your time. Thanks, indeed. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Okay.
1: So... I think we...
0: Yeah, I would like to... Sorry, Tony, please go on. Yeah, on uh, uh, regulation. Actually, from our perspective, as a regulated asset manager, uh, for us, regulation coming to this space is actually something we embrace. Uh, because as Everard correctly mentioned, that will allow institutional capital and professional capital to come into the space because there's going to be more clarity as to how can you operate in this space. And as to how government around the world view crypto, I believe uh, there is a trend uh, which is general can be summarized as let's embrace, regulate and, and tax it rather than fight it right and if you look at the us there were two major events last year and early this year uh both by occ uh office of currency controller so first in uh, september last year they formally allowed commercial banks in the us uh to custody digital assets so essentially regulator comes and allow eight thousand banks to get involved in crypto and that gives you a first preview. Uh, they're not really kind of trying to bend it. You don't jump out of the bushes two months later with the screaming, now we're going to bend it. Like, why would you create distress to your own banking system? Of course, that was already kind of uh, direction of travel. Let's integrate. But the biggest thing came, I think, in January this year, on the January 4th, the same OCC now allowed... Commercial banks not only to engage on um, a blockchain in parallel with SWIFT and Fedwire. Essentially, we're saying uh, that uh, stable coins such as USDC and others can be used in parallel with the traditional banking system. And that's a major breakthrough, right? Kind of. Uh, and and, and in addition to that, what commercial banks were allowed now to become part of distributed systems whereby they are one of the nodes and you would remember that uh bitcoin ethereum they all run on independent nodes i.e., individual servers which are contributing computing power to the entire network and assuring its security now uh, uh the message to the commercial banks in the us you can engage in this activity and to me this is a clear uh path to general integration of old financial system or traditional one with crypto basically embrace and regulate rather than ban
2: and over to hmm right. hi um
3: I, I think i think um I
0: guys you're on the mute
3: you, you can still hear me yeah all right so i think the rules in different uh, territories are very different uh and like what um, uh, andrea has mentioned as well you know things are, are starting to be more embracing you know the, the very fundamental reason why i joined the government uh, and giving advice to government is because i do believe at this very early stage um where, where we are at right now uh, regulations are actually very important um, if you again look at uh, things in two zero one seven where regulations are are, are much uh, are, are much muddy and uh, not not unclear, you know we we, we tend to be a, a fair bit more innovative, you know, taking on a more daring approach. but when when we are talking about uh, uh, the current situation in two zero two one where regulations are, are are more are more in place right now, uh, we do see that uh, funds, we do see more institutions coming in. Uh, in, into the space to put up uh to put up uh sizable investments in billions of dollars millions of dollars and so forth but if you look at uh, things in general uh, in different territory the financial service commissions or the fscs are, are mainly taking control you know as long as uh, we look at things like uh like like how we look at the traditional banking like AML, cbt kyc i think all these are very sim are very familiar terms that we we are uh Dealing with in the traditional banking world as long as we follow the same principle uh, We are safe in general and again, it depends on where we are operating at, you know Whether you are maybe example in Singapore in Korea, you know, you are are generally fine if you're in China or or in India You know things can be a, a, a bit a bit more illegal and sticky so we just need to follow the regulations and and work in the best interest of your client, you know, if you look at the, 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 the wealth uh, uh, sector. So for the client side of things, I think the regular tax applies, you know. So if you are looking at Singapore and Australia, you know, we, we have to look at things like goods and services tax because, uh, you know, the, in Australia, Bitcoin is being seen as a property and also the normal personal tax gains and so forth should be accounted for just the same as how you get your profits. From your from from your other source of uh, uh, asset, so so buying crypto is is not an easy thing, you know. And and again, you know, for many, even for, for our own fellow friends, you know, in in the crypto space, you know, it's not easy. So with the added layer of service and analysis from the private and wealth manager, it is actually a lot easier for many high work high network individual, and it's also very uh, easy for them to you know create that additional layer you know to to help them to go around with things like uh, custody settlement uh, how are they going to go about you know converting their fiat into a uh, into a bitcoin or something so i think that that added layer has given the whole industry uh, both the traditional and the crypto industry an added age uh, as compared to things back in 2017 you know so it's it's, it's actually a very good thing right now
0: mhm yeah
1: we have a we have a, a a couple of questions as well which um, I, I before we sort of move on to um uh our final question here but one of them is uh um uh, someone said that I'm a quant researcher and trader and unfortunately I see crypto trading as a more risk security compared to traditional regulated capital markets you know we're asking our panel what's the take on
3: that i i, I maybe maybe I will answer this uh because i I used to also invest in the quant um uh, uh, this uh, platform as well I, I think you know it depends on whether you are taking on this question as a researcher or, or as a trader because if you are a trader the the kind of uh, a high risk high return and you felt that you you could you, you could uh, make very good decision from the trading you know makes you think that you have a very good upside so so it really depends on 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 how you see it you know so if you if you say that cryptocurrency is very risky but if you look at it from another standpoint, you know, for some coins, I, I'm not going to mention who and so forth. You know, it, it might have uh, dropped twenty seven percent, twenty eight percent, even thirty percent in a day. But the next day, it got it got bounced back, right? So, so I think, of course, it's, it's volatile, you know. But there is a chance of rebound. But if you look at the stock market and and maybe other forms of security, once it goes down, it it, it, it most likely you know, it's most likely down, you know, it's not, not everyone is a game GameStop, you know, where, mm-hmm. where, where, where the stock can goes up, you know, so that, that's, that's my take though.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's interesting
3: point. I mean, if you look at, if you look at,
1: if you, if you look at the, uh, uh, the, the way that Bitcoin has gone from three and a half thousand in in March last year to fifty eight thousand, then back down to forty three, and it's up another seven percent today at fifty four thousand. That really does show the volatility of it, and uh, um, and why it's definitely on the risk side of, of an investment
2: asset. That's for sure. But
3: but, but I mean, on that other side, the, uh-huh. you can also see that uh, because of of the upsides that you can see right now, a lot of other funds and also digital asset management guys are all coming into the space because they do see that there is a very good uptake and a, also a very good market mm-hmm. that, that they can get themselves into i'm sorry uh
0: yeah, so I'd like to add to that, that uh, certainly this asset class will remain volatile for the foreseeable future. And there are a few reasons for that. One of them is structural. And uh coming back to our monetary supply, which we discussed around Bitcoin, because you have a very limited number of coins issued per block, which is 6.25 coins, whatever is the demand, demand can triple tomorrow. The number of coins issued by the system will remain at 6.25 demand can go 10x tomorrow system will still release exactly 6.25 bitcoins which means you have uh, a perfect inelasticity of supply supply is not reacting to the increased demand and that means that the only balancing factor between growing demand and limited supply happen to be price price will become, uh, will remain very sensitive to the inflow of capital. And as to the inflow, coming back to our earlier slides, uh, you may see that uh, you have MicroStrategy coming uh, back in August with uh, $424 million. Then they topped by another $600 million in uh, December, then by another billion in January. Essentially, this is the inflow from large corporate players. And of course, they are vacuum cleaning all available coins in the market. What happens with the price? Price experience upward volatility. Same happens with PayPal. PayPal allowed back in October, uh, its clients now to acquire Bitcoin using the platform. And that causes now kind of uh, easy access for retail clients into the market. So uh, PayPal has to come out into the market and buy on behalf of their clients, uh, certain volumes of Bitcoin. Well, in recent times, PayPal has been buying 70% of the entire supply of new coins. Square, another uh, payment company, uh, buys another 40%. So these two entities are buying 110% of all newly minted coins. And of course, uh, what we're going to see, a price drifting up as more and more players coming to the market. Another thing which adds to volatility is size of the pool. Bitcoin is still a very small asset, right? Uh, we just recently crossed a one trillion uh, market cap. In the context of other assets, gold, uh, for example, is 10 trillion, equities, 80 trillion, fixed income, over 150 trillion dollars. Back to Bitcoin, just one trillion. Of course, uh, because of this size, any inflow will impact price very in a very significant manner. However, Uh, As the pool grows, uh, so will volatility get reduced over time. Because if you take a cannonball and drop it in a swimming pool, the ripple is going to be very significant. Drop the same cannonball into the ocean, the guy on the other side of the ocean will never fill it because the size of the pool matters. And that's how this space will evolve. Uh, In terms of trading, of course, uh, it is a volatile space. For people who can trade volatility, that's a beautiful asset class to be involved. And uh, in context of Nickel Digital, our firm, the very first fund we launched two years ago is exactly volatility trading fund, market neutral arbitrage. So For us, movements in this market represents an opportunity. But what we managed to do, for example, is take this extremely volatile market and vol in Bitcoin volatility, implied volatility is... 70 to 100 percent and we managed to convert that into the stream to our investors at the level of two percent so 70 percent converted into two so basically using financial instruments you can reduce volatility but in order to capture the upside of course investors should get exposure to this asset class direct exposure and hold this asset uh but uh again what we would like to uh kind of give as a message that people should look at this asset class not necessarily as a speculative asset that's how it came to be right and that's why many people involved in that but i would say there is a value of holding this asset without speculative agenda but purely from the portfolio construction point of view and here i'm going to show you one slide which i found extremely revealing The logic being, if you look on the, uh, forget about uh, Bitcoin for the time being, right? And let's look on the portfolio, which is 60-40. 60% uh, equity, 40% uh, bonds. And this is traditional portfolio, which is used in wealth management. Uh, Without any crypto involvement over the last eight years, and that has been analysis was recently completed from December, 2012 until December, 2020, such a portfolio have delivered 124% cumulative return, which is great. It was kind of a bull run run, uh, for the last eight years. Uh, Annualized risk of this portfolio, standard deviation was 10% and max drawdown is 21.6%, largely caused by S&P falling in March last year in 2020. Now, if we go into... uh, some intellectual exercise and ask ourselves, okay, what impact would have Bitcoin added to such a portfolio? Again, it's not speculation, it's just kind of diversification exercise. So if you were to add 1% of Bitcoin, uh, having claw back 1% from equities, the impact is as follows. Top line goes from 124 to 146%. It's a solid 22% add-on just for the sake of 1% added Bitcoin. But what counts as completely counterintuitive is that standard deviation, the risk of the portfolio, actually goes down. So from 10%, it goes to 9.95. And your max drawdown actually improves as well. And the question, how on earth you are adding a very volatile asset class and yet your risk framework improves? And the answer is uncorrelated nature of this asset. And uh, uh, on this slide, what we've done, we have collected all drawdown at S&P 500 for the last 10 years and then superimposed on top of that what Bitcoin did over these periods of uh, S&P drawdown. And uh, uh, in here, orange bars represent how S&P performed and blue bars, what Bitcoin did over the same period of time. So in April 2011, Bitcoin was down, no Bitcoin, S&P was down 19% the famous tantrum, right? Uh, What Bitcoin did at the same period of time? Well, BTC did not realize there was a market sell-off and went up 76%. And uh, you can see the number of observations. It's very often Bitcoin behaves very independently. Certainly, there are times uh, when both Bitcoin and S&P go into sell-off. But generally, there is this independent behavioral pattern. And that's exactly, as an investment manager, what you would like to own. uh, Because that gives you diversification to your overall portfolio and improves your uh, efficient frontier. It shifts the efficient frontier up. And uh, coming back to the uh, 1% slide. So if you go into more uh, kind of adventurous uh, mode and add 3% Bitcoin to your portfolio, so the effect would have been, From 124, uh, return of the portfolio goes to 196. This is a solid 72% uh, increase in performance just for the sake of adding 3% Bitcoin. Uh, And risk stays at 10%, goes to 10.05. I'm happy to take extra five beeps of risk for the sake of adding 70% to the top line. And that's what creates this unique uh Im- impact on the portfolio again we're talking about uh, construction of the portfolio rather than speculation Andrew, over to you
1: yes i would um i was just going to come on a couple of questions which have been very very interesting actually um which i like to run through um we have one which is asking if large whales control a lot of bitcoin surely they can manipulate the price downwards at any time andy what's your views on that that's definitely
3: the case right i mean i mean we we, we love we we love uh, how how bitcoin is and uh, how 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 we talk about the supply and the demand and of course you know we we, we have to also understand that there are other properties of uh, bitcoin that is very similar to the traditional market right so if there are big wheels coming in are they able to control the price my answer to you is yes, they can. If they are going to dump their their, their Bitcoin, uh, at, at a certain time, you know, depending on the acceptance of the from the market, yes, it will drive the price down. Similarly, the, the other upside is if you get a lot more corporate buyers coming in, uh, treasuries treasuries uh, started to uh, you know build build on their 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 Bitcoin portfolio as well. Um, you will see the price increase. So, you know, so sometimes, you know, we, we always uh, uh, caution, you know, uh, some of my own friends as well, you know, who are in the traditional space, you know, you, you just got to put uh, X amount of dollars that you are comfortable with uh, into the crypto space because the space being very volatile may not be what you really want, you know, because your investment appetite is very different. Uh, from, from 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 client to client and so forth or from people to people so you just got to put in the right amount of uh, 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 money you know into the crypto space so yes you know we we, we do see that there's uh there's, there's there are ways to uh, manipulate um, the, the, the the price because as uh, as, uh, as as we rightfully mentioned you know price become a very sensitive thing you know when we when we when we see all the different news, uh, good news coming in and so forth, so same as um, same as uh, same same for dumping as well. So I hope that answers your question. Thank you,
1: Andy. It does, and I and I think yeah, we also have a, a something which I wasn't aware of, and I don't know if you guys were aware of, um, which we have a good question which is saying that the first Bitcoin auction. In France, will take place on the seventeenth of March, and do we think that this will? uh, uh, Do you think this will allow, as for the art market, that the Bitcoin could be priced officially by the fact that it's been auctioned? And um,
3: Anatoli, what's your view on that?
0: I'm not sure whether they're going to be. Is it art? Art uh,
3: auction? I think it's an art auction. It's not a Bitcoin auction.
0: Yeah, okay, so, because the notion would be kind of a very, a very unusual thing to say when there is a perfect uh, marketplace. No, for the for art, I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes perfectly legit uh, way of uh, uh, payment for art. Look, uh, um, Elon Musk uh, has briefly announced at some stage, uh, Tesla would be happy to accept Bitcoin as a, as, a, as a mean of exchange, a kind of mean of payment. Nothing wrong with art being priced in uh, uh, in Bitcoin as well for the transaction purposes. So I would expect this to be widely accepted three years from now. And this uh, French auction is perhaps a preview. What is coming in this market?
1: No, I think I think actually the 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 uh, the questionnaire is saying that actually it's an actual Bitcoin auction. So it's not an art auction where you can pay by Bitcoin. It's actually uh, someone is actually auctioning bitcoins. I don't know how many and maybe it's something we can look at independently, but um, uh, it, that that it does ask whether that if, if it's been auctioned there you know will that price then be determined in, determined in the market?
0: Well, the price today is uh, the, the market can absorb significant number of coins the volume which is going for the market today is measured in billions of dollars uh if you're gonna put certain number of coins for the auction market will absorb this right there might be some uh discount uh which is really if i as a trader take this temporarily in my position in my uh my stock right my inventory i will need to compensate for that risk But generally, nothing prevents from large volume to be just kind of distributed across uh, the market. And people like us who are arbitrageurs, we would make sure that this is done in an efficient manner rather than uh, with some price gaps of 5% or so. That certainly kind of is not happening anymore because market became becomes more and more efficient. There was another. No, I
1: put a question out onto the audience, and which was one of the final question. Question. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, Anatoly, please
0: go. Yeah, I so another question: whether the SEC would approve a Bitcoin ETF in two thousand twenty-one. I believe we are very close uh, to yes. that. Uh, first, you had uh, similar approvals uh, in the North uh, neighbor in Canada. Uh, essentially, two ETFs, uh, BTC Bitcoin ETFs, uh, went live earlier this year. And I don't see how U.S. can hold for longer without allowing this market uh, to go ahead. Uh, And uh, if you look on grayscale, which uh, up until recently and still is perhaps the largest uh, pool of Bitcoin in one listed vehicle, it's not an ETF, it's a trust, which is far less efficient than any ETF. And you would remember there was a premium on the secondary market as high as 35%. And essentially, if you are a retail investor coming into the into Bitcoin market, buying grayscale on the secondary market for the luxury of owning Bitcoin, you would be overpaying 45%. And of course, it was very unsustainable. And our view always has been that this premium will disappear immediately as ETF comes to the market. And then as an investor, you have a clear alternative to go and buy an ETF. Why on earth would you buy a trust shares, right? Overpaying 35%. And surely enough, with this uh, uh, premium, it went down to zero a couple of weeks ago and then went into discount. Uh, The most recent was like 11%. The reason for that is because ETF is coming and market is anticipating this development. And for that reason, the the premium went down to zero only matter of time
1: we, we also have a question so we also have a question saying that do we believe the msci will introduce a crypto asset index and if so when do you
0: foresee this i think that's going to take slightly longer than uh, an ETF on a single asset being bitcoin uh if msci goes for index uh which may be whatever top x number of coins that will take slightly longer i wouldn't expect this to happen in 2021 uh but as this uh, space matures and demand is certainly there it will come as an in, as a tradable instrument at some stage
1: so we i think we're coming up to an hour now it's a little bit longer than we had uh, anticipated so we, it should be great because i think the questions have been fantastic and you know, i'd like to thank the audience for our, their participation in this um the final thing which i did put up on the question here is uh you know and I think we we probably know the answer. to This is that, you know, are, are we at the top of the hill with the crypto market, or are we at the bottom of a very big mountain? Andy.
3: Well, the purely personal thing, yeah. I I think that uh, we are at the bottom of, of a mountain. Um, it will continue to rise uh, if there are, if there are demand. Right now, you can see that the demand is very strong. Um, the current um, The current situation is backed by institutions, corporations, treasuries, family office uh, in in, in this recent uh, price rise. Uh, And most of them came in at around forty seven thousand dollars. Right. This is very different from uh, what we see in the 2017 situation where most of the Bitcoin are backed by retail investors. So so I do see that we are at the bottom of of a mountain. But on a more cautious side, you know, if, if you look at how the price is uh, continue to be pumped at, at this uh, current amazing speed, you know, that, that we are seeing right now, I do felt that there, there might be some areas or, or some sentiments that it is not sustainable because the, the price increase, in my opinion, should be a lot more gradual and not a very steep uh, uh, upward rocket kind of uh uh, a, a situation. So we we have to be very patient about it, right? Um, and if you again look at uh, the the space around us, you know uh, I'm speaking from from Asia, in Singapore, I think the demand in Asia is is extremely strong. Uh, we do see listed companies in Asia buying uh, cryptocurrency uh, quietly. Um, of course on the in, in the news, you know uh, Meitu, a Chinese based uh, 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 app company. Bought 40 million worth of BDC and ETH. I mean, this is just one of the many companies that I know who formally announced this to the to the public. You know, in the last two weeks, I've spoken to about eight funds and a few other uh, corporations as well, uh, fairly large ones, uh, introduced to me by different uh, governments and different stakeholders. They are all going in for for Bitcoin. So, if you were to ask me, you know, is it is it going to be a, a very optimistic kind of uh, situation in the very near future? I do see that happening because a lot of buy-in are happening. And uh, lastly, I also want to add on to the to the point. You know, we are not just talking about Bitcoin right now, right? We, we There are a lot of other uh, L coins that are in the market, probably 5,000 of them in the market. Uh, the top few ones wow. are also very... Um, are also very promising. You can see very potential good upsides and so forth. So uh, it will eventually shift to a more L coin market uh, in time to come. Because if you if you talk to different funds or different people with the money, you know they, they are thinking of creating their own uh, Ethereum. They are thinking of creating their their own Polkadot as well because they have the money. You know why why play with just Bitcoin, right? So so my very last word would be. Um, Utility of the of, of the coin is is key. Uh, the blockchain technology behind is actually the the fundamental value behind it. You know that that creates the the fungibility of uh, Bitcoin as well. You know not so much just about the supply. And another word that that uh, I I would like to echo is that uh, Bitcoin or the crypto industry is still very early. Uh, if you have not gotten in, you know you should really think about how. Uh, how you can get in or how you should try to know more. All right. And 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 the value really lies behind the technology. And that that will be something that we realize in, in the in the very near future. So thanks.
0: Yeah I would add to that that uh, thank you very
3: much and uh, Andy I like to like,
4: uh,
0: I yeah if I can add Andrew. Uh, So I would certainly differentiate between Bitcoin and uh, the rest of uh, crypto market. Because to me, Bitcoin has solidified its position as a store of value, right? And many corporates who are coming today into this market, first of all, they are accessing Bitcoin market rather than altcoin markets, right? Now, the driving force behind that, as we discussed, is a hedge against inflation and monetary debasement. This trend is just started. Uh, We are seeing, um, we're specifically refraining on the nickel uh, level to name any price target. However, there is no shortage of uh, price indications by very respected uh, organizations. You have uh, JP Morgan with 146,000. You have Citibank with 318,000. You have Guggenheim Partners uh, with 400,000. And recently, uh, their CIO mentioned 600,000. And uh, whilst I would stay away from kind of giving any number, I think the trend is clearly identified because you have this inflow of capital coming into this market. And as we discussed, there is certainly uh, limited supply and that will create upward pressure. Now, where we are in this cycle, it's important to realize that uh, market moves in cyclicalities. And uh, one of the things which uh, usually people look at this market is in a linear fashion, linear graph. And linear graph does not do justice to this, uh, to, to the analysis, because usually you would have a very large spike in 2017. Anything before that is pretty much straight uh, horizontal line. It's just getting lost in the one-off uh, major spike. However, if you look on the price of Bitcoin in a different context, in the logarithmic scale, you can immediately see these patterns evolving in uh, Bitcoin price. And that happened to be four-year cycle. Why it's four-year? Well, it happened to coincide with four-year halving cycle. Every time when supply goes minus 50%, as it did most recently in 2020, that creates squeeze on the supply side. And demand is there, continue to build. And that's what creates this price action. So if history were to be of any guide, I think uh, 2021 uh, is going to be a very powerful year of Bitcoin price appreciation. For the simple reason, it happened to be the fourth year in the four-year cycle. And 2017 in previous cycle was exactly the fourth year. What we saw then, well, year in 2017 started with roughly $1,000 per coin. And whilst there was a screaming around the press, like, hey, the price reached previous heights, it's time to sell. Well, in retrospect, actually, it was perhaps a time to buy. Because in 2017, market has expanded 17 times from roughly 1,100 all the way to nearly 20K. What happened then? Market just overrun itself. It just got thin, too stretched. And that caused a significant uh, price fall and then we entered crypto winter which lasted for a year and that was uh minus 85 uh, percent price correction but then it took two years for bitcoin to recover to the previous height and surely enough by December 2020 we were at the previous 20k and uh, again if you were to ask yourself what is happening next well it's a fourth year of the fourth year cycle and that's how 2021 as we entered that we continue this ride. So we are standing at 50 plus today. It's very likely to continue this way for for foreseeable months uh, within 2021. So this is a very powerful dynamics in place. And uh, to me, it's driven by structural adoption of this uh, asset class it's it, it, there is speculation no doubt about that but as andy correctly mentioned now we are having different type of capital entering the market it's not purely retail speculative capital it's now institutional capital and look on the statements by microstrategy these guys uh have exposure roughly is it 3 or 4 billion dollars now Uh, And and, uh, and it's it's four and a half billion, right? And actually, this is a very sticky form of money. They will not sell the position as soon as market corrects by 20%. As a matter of fact, they will be buying more. For them, it's a long-term capital allocation. And that's what makes this uh, rally so much different to 2017, is by far more sustainable rally. And I think at some stage, we're gonna reach kind of some local peak because market again going to overrun itself and no doubt there's going to be another crypto winter, uh, but it's likely to be less severe than the previous one because we have different type of capital now entering this market. All right. Thank you, Andrew.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Anatoly. I mean, I think we're going to wrap this up now, but just to be some fascinating insights into the market and without a doubt that uh, the wealth management industry needs to embrace this and that uh, crypto um, assets or altcoins whatever one it is they are going to be part of uh, uh, f- uh people's portfolios going forward um uh, as we are wrapping up i put my uh, my uh, email address up on the screen for our, our guests um, who have any further questions, which they'd like me to put them in contact with Anatoly, with Andy and with Everard. I'd be very happy to, uh, very happy to uh, speak to you offline and directly. But then again, thanks again for everybody who's attended today. I hope you have found this in- interesting. Uh, thanks very much to Nikolat Digital Asset for being our, our partner with this today and to Andy and to Everard for taking part. Thanks very much indeed.
0: It was a pleasure. Thanks a lot.
4: Thanks a lot, everyone. Thank you. Nicola is a firm that combines an understanding of digital assets with many years of traditional financial expertise with technology smarts.
0: Nicola a group of investment professionals coming from uh, traditional finance, uh, namely JP Morgan, Goldman, uh, Banker's Trust, uh, Deutsche Bank. So combining this experience from the conventional finance and technical expertise, we're pulling these resources together to create a platform by which investors can access digital assets market.
5: So in order to build a successful manager in the digital asset space, you need three types of expertise. You need experience of trading traditional financial markets. You need experience of trading the massive digital markets. And on top of that, you need the computer science experience in order to build procedures around your custody and movement of assets and just build a trading system that will effectively execute those trades at the exchanges. I think what's unique about us is that at the founding partner level between the three of us, we cover all three of those. We have six years of experience in traditional financial markets, we have 20 years of experience building our training software. And now we have over 10 years of experience of trading crypto specifically.
4: The market is ready for custody solutions that have been developed by Nickel. Before, crypto custody was insecure and unreliable. Now, with the solutions that our partners have developed, it's secure, insured, trustworthy. In short, it's ready for institutions. The market has evolved over the last
0: few years to offer a secure way to access the market. If you think a few years back, people would use what is called self-custody to custody digital assets. We believe that was not really an institutional way to access the market. Today, we have these solutions in place.
5: The initial investment solution we brought to the market is the Digital Assets Arbitrage Fund. It trades strategies like future spaces, calendar spreads, volatility arbitrage. A whole number of market-neutral, sophisticated strategies. The reason why we began with that was to prove to the market that we can build an effective execution platform where we can easily manage the risks of these sophisticated market neutral strategies.
4: We chose to do this first because it's the hardest thing to do. All the other products we can launch after this will be simpler for us to implement. The second product is the Digital Gold Fund. That is a long-only Bitcoin solution It's
5: secure, efficient, and liquid. Digital Gold is a natural extension of the expertise we've gained trading the arbitrage fund. We can execute trades much faster and much cheaper than anybody else in the market, putting us in a very advantageous position to provide this long-only product.
4: Digital assets are a huge opportunity to transform finance, giving investors access Control and liquidity in a cost efficient way.
0: Digital assets is a standalone asset class like venture capital, private equity. And from that perspective, uh, over time, it will make way into portfolio allocation of pretty much every institutional investor.
5: And our goal here at Nickel is to build a one stop institutional shop for all of your crypto investment needs. We think that. The market as it develops will provide a lot of democratization of access to different types of instruments out there, be it real estate, be it private equity. We think we will provide the technical solution to trade all of those markets. So we believe digital
0: assets offer new and exciting chapter of finance, essentially offering greater liquidity, greater transparency and greater efficiency of financial flows.